again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 89. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. And uh, joining me is Dave Rowe, one of our many staff writers. Dave, how are we doing this week? Well, I'm recovered from the weekend, as I hope everybody else is. Uh, it was. I, I feel a little defensive. Yeah. Um, but uh, but um, but other than that, I'm feeling good. That's good. It's cool. I'm glad to hear you're not feeling like a monkey's uncle. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, lots to talk about this week, Dave. Lots to talk about. Uh, Orlando City. Since we last talked, Orlando City with two games: one in the midweek uh, against DC United, and one on Sunday night against the Chicago Fire. Let's start out talking a little bit about D.C. United. Orlando City and D.C. played a very cagey game uh, for the entire first half. It was probably not the most beautiful uh, match in the beautiful game's history uh, in terms of uh, you know opportunities and, and creating chances and that kind of thing, especially early. Um and uh, but, you know, Orlando just kind of did what they needed to do for a while and hung in there. And D.C. looked like they came in with a real uh, purpose of making sure they took care of their end of the field and, and defended well. And uh, they were happy to give possession up and 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 uh, sort of try to hit on the counter with uh, with Lamar Nagel and and, um, you know, Luciano Acosta and, and guys like that. But um it just didn't seem like a whole lot was going well for either team in the final third. And then uh, Jason Christ inserted uh, Giles Barnes into the game for uh, Lewis Gill at, f- at the 59 minute mark. And Barnes within a few seconds made a, a sliding block to knock a ball out uh, for a throw. And, and just that little bit of energy right there just sort of created a spark. And from that point on, uh, Giles Barnes just couldn't be stopped. He was just doing everything uh, that you want him to do. Uh, he uh, was only on the pitch seven minutes before he dribbled through three guys, drew a foul, and then the ensuing free kick uh, resulted in the opener with uh, Will Johnson uh, delivering in to Kyle Lahren, who finally got back on the score sheet. So, so here's what um, I think about all of what you just said. So, yes, first half, kind of slow, but a little bit back and forth. Um, uh, there were shots. I mean, you know, Gilhead, MTG, you know, it wasn't that they weren't there. It, it, it just didn't seem coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was raining. There were, you know, blah, blah, blah. Very rainy like, day. Very, very right. uh, big downpour through much of the first half. But like you said, once Barnes came in, and uh, here's the thing I want to uh, – you already mentioned what Barnes said. Here's what I want to mention about Barnes is that day or the day before, uh, there was an article that mentioned Barnes as a difference maker. And – there was comments on our website that saying, really, come on, Barnes hasn't done that much. And then that very day or that next day, Barnes comes in and boom, he is the difference maker going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, you know, not only so on that sliding tackle that resulted in, in, in the kick that he, he, when he got up from that, he went over to the wall and he's raising his arms and he's getting everybody and the wall responded. Not that I'm surprised because that's what they do, mm-hmm. but they responded. I mean, he got the crowd back into it in a rainy day. Yeah. And you know, I mean, he was an emotional leader at that point for the team. I mean, that that can't be understated. Well, that's it, the big it, word there. Emotional. I mean, he brought 
a lot of, of passion into the game with him. He got the crowd pumped up. It got his teammates pumped up. And, you know, Johnson, who has been kind of inconsistent recently on set pieces, delivered an unbelievable ball. Uh, unbelievable. Fact, Jose Aja almost got on it. And it's a good thing he didn't because then Laren with uh, Steve Bierenbaum, basically he was wearing Steve Bierenbaum as a coat. Like if you couldn't even uh, <laughs> like if, you know, you got out of the bath and you, you put on your robe. That's what Steve Bierenbaum was for, for Kyle Laren. And he's not a small man, but Kyle was strong enough to say, all right, you can hang all over me. I'm still going to head this in for the first goal. Quite frankly, I'm 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 wondering uh, if, uh, uh, if Steve proposed to him before he did that because, quite frankly, he was wrapped around him. I well, mean, it I was, hope he bought him dinner at least. At least he bought him dinner, right? Because <laughs> I mean, if if he hadn't scored on that goal, if it hadn't been a foul, it would it should have been because oh my god! I, it, when you go back and look at the replay, he is hugging the man. Mm-hmm. It's that obvious. But you know, the important part of that is how strong Kyle Aaron is. Let's let's not ignore that. I mean, we hear you and I hear occasionally through, you know, comments and this and that, that, you know, Kyle can do this. Kyle can do that. You know what? Kyle is an incredibly strong striker. He does exactly what he is supposed to do. He is that big guy that is going to score those goals that he can use his body. He can use his physical mass, for lack of a better word, to get himself in the places and move people around and do those things. And that was the perfect example of that, where literally there is a person wrapped around him, trying to keep him away, mm. almost tackling him from scoring a goal. And yet he still is able to get his head on the ball and put it in the goal. Yeah. You know, when things are not going well for a bigger kind of athlete, um, I hear about this in basketball all the time. It's, it's a thing in soccer and that kind of thing. When a big athlete is things aren't going well for them. A lot of fans seem to put the label lazy or not trying or apathetic or whatever on them. And I don't think that you could ever describe Kyle Lahren as a lazy individual. I don't think you could no. ever, ever say he doesn't care. He doesn't. He's. I mean, what kind of feeds that sort of uh, those sort of comments is that he's a quiet guy. He's not a big, you know, rah, rah, loud, demonstrative man. But. You know, he, he did a great job of using his strength and his power and the kind of things you want your target striker to do. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, if anything, he may be pressing too hard. Now, the other thing is when you say, well, he's lazy, he's not, he's not running, whatever. There, you got to remember that how much soccer has been played this year and especially within the last month uh, by this team. In fact, just completed another three games in nine days kind of thing. And right. Kyle Lahren has been on the field for almost every minute of that. He has to conserve energy at points in the game or he won't last the 90 minutes. So uh, I don't agree with the people that say, oh, he's lazy. He's not, he's not trying. That's all garbage. Uh, and just... any, anybody who's looking, anybody who's looking and watching what he does when he's in that upper third, what the, the, the emotion that he's doing, especially when uh, – and, and you have to look off the ball to see what's going on, mm-hmm. okay? Because um, you have to see the things that the other team are doing to him – to keep him from getting on the ball, okay. The the physical impediments that he's having to work through. Um, I mean, he's like a, a running back trying to get through a line to get to the goal line to get to be able to get to the ball. You know, I mean, to put it in American football terms. So, yeah, you're right. the The idea that he's not working, that he's lazy, is is absolutely ludicrous. And um, if if anybody doubts us, go look back. Look at look at the film. 
look at what he's doing when the ball is not near him, mm-hmm. that he is working inside the box and, and even not inside the box. I mean, we've talked about it before where he's tracked back to go, you know, help on defense and he's, he's done other things. The, the idea that, that Kyle Aaron is not a, a full team player is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Jason Christ, uh always lauds him for his work ethic and his work in, in training. I mean, you know, guys that are lazy don't work hard in training. I mean, he works hard in training, and we hear about it every day. It's it's uh, it's it's a point that's being made, and it's not something that Jason Christ would bring up if if it weren't happening. So uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, the good thing is Jason, Jason good, Christ doesn't bring up anything unless yeah, it's actually the real. The good thing is is that you know Kyle had been in a little bit of a slump, and it was good to see him get back on the score sheet. And uh, absolutely, and especially that you know I I felt that it was important to get the first goal in that game and Orlando was able to get that first goal. And then it just seemed like they were going to, uh, you know, they got some chances after that, but they just didn't seem to be able to get that last lap either the shot wasn't on target or Bill Hamid would make a good save. And it just did. It seemed like it was going to be one of those games where, Oh, are they going to, you know, are they going to score a late one and steal points from us? But then uh, Giles Barnes got rewarded from the soccer gods for his hard work uh, by taking a shot from distance. And it just, went right through Bill Hamid's hands and into the net to make it. It was astounding. It it was crazy. It was like one of those things where, you know, you always think on a wet day, you know, why not just take a shot whenever you can, you know, as long as you get it on target. And that was one of those cases where it was like, you know, Jason Christ didn't want Giles Barnes shooting from out there, but hell I didn't want him to do. (laughs) No. And I was like, Oh, that's a waste. And it's through his hands and in, and you don't (laughs) expect Bill Hamid to make that kind of mistake, but uh, it, it was, it was a big insurance goal. And Orlando City gets out of there with a 2-0 win. And, and Giles Barnes uh, deserved a goal for his performance in that game. Okay, he absolutely did because he was the spark. But it wasn't through his hands. Let's be very, very clear. It didn't go through his hands. It He was at an angle at such that when the ball came in, it bounced off his hands. But his hands were at an angle that it, 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 was, it went off of them. It didn't go through because it didn't go through the the left and right hands it went off of the right hand or off the left hand and still went in the goal so it looked like it had no pace whatsoever well okay but it didn't go straight through but i think you're splitting hairs with where what i'm saying is it, is it, okay yes, but it, what my, it, my point being it said did, is, it did deflect up but obviously he got two hands on the ball he and, got two hands got on the ball and it still went in and you know it it but you know you and i are looking at that as it's happening and we're saying yeah, it doesn't have enough pace on it. To, I mean, if it's Carlos Rios, we're like, okay, well, maybe it goes off and then it goes in because it's got pace. Giles Barnes, we're like, oh, okay. Right, he didn't crush and, it. And I then, mean, right, he didn't crush it. And then it, it, it just kind of went in. Yeah. It, I which jumped made off, it even I, more it made it even more uh amazing. phenomenal I jumped, that, that I jumped off my couch. I jumped off my couch. I'm high-fiving my kids. You know, I mean, it was it was it was absolutely amazing. So, yeah. Um the thing I don't want us to forget and I, I'm not saying that you were going to, was um, the save of the week. The save of the week is the double save. And, of, of course, it was still 1-0 at that point. Um, and uh, it was an opportunity for uh, for D.C. to get right back in the game, in fact. And, uh, you know, it was a bad back pass by Jose Aja, who had a, a very good game, but he had about three moments in that game that he, he made huge mistakes. Uh, <laughs> and one of them was that back pass. 
didn't get where it needed to go. Bill, uh, or I'm sorry, Joe Bendick came off his line to try to get to it first, but was beaten to it by Lamar Nagel, who rounded him and had nothing but an open net and Jonathan Spector and... in front of him. And he, he shot it. Spector deflected it up in the air with his feet. And Sebastian Latou, a, a, a substitute off the bench uh, and a very good player, uh, was certain to head that in. But Bendick's hustle play, he gets all the way back and just swipes it almost directly off the head of Latou before he can put it in the net. It was an, it was an unbelievable moment in that game, for sure. Okay, so two things on that. All right, so Bendick came out as he should have, and he got big as he should have, and he missed, which, okay, I mean, given how far he had to come out, that's going to happen occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens. Bendick is called out. What we need to focus on is the two things that happen after that. So Specter is doing what he's supposed to do, which is, backing up his goalie. He goes back. He, as much as he can without using his hands, gets big and takes him on. He gets the deflection. The deflection pops up. Now, the second thing we're going to focus on is Bendick doing his job, which is as soon as he's gotten, I mean, if you go back and look at the video, as soon as he hit the ground, he bounced back up, took, uh, rose back up, took a around, started running back. Even before it got popped up, and is moving towards the uh, the the corner of the goal, gets there and bangs it out with his fist. It was absolutely as of the recording of this, he was ninety one percent save of the week. Yeah, he he was uh, unbelievable on that. Both of those uh, fine gentlemen were on that play to uh, to keep Orlando City ahead at the point and, and um, you know enabled uh, Giles Barnes to to put the game away later. Um, but although maybe it was would have been uh, just desserts for Giles to have gotten that game winner on that goal, but uh, it was nice. And and in fact, um, Tony Rocha, who was the second half substitute, got his first MLS assist on Giles Barnes' goal for a nice yes. little layoff. He uh, Barnes played it to to Rocha. Rocha laid it back off for him, and and then he shot and scored. So uh, so uh, nice to see Tony get his first uh, assist. But anyway, the big thing. Uh, Dave, is that it snapped the six-game winless streak and Orlando City uh, remaining uh, unbeaten uh, on their, or I'm sorry, uh, just with one loss uh, in their home stadium. And uh, so the, the home magic continues for, for well, Orlando City. And and just as important, um, we got a win in May. Yeah, it was the last game of May, and uh, with, with, a, with, a, with seven fixtures in May, you would think that they would get at least one win, and they, that's all they ended up getting. But uh, it, the, the important thing is uh, they needed that win for their belief and for their confidence, and they because uh, they've had some some good performances during the, the six-game winless streak and just not getting rewarded, and they finally uh, they put it all together, got the shutout, got the win, and um, you know they went into uh, the weekend feeling pretty good. And now, I'm, now here, here's what's funny is, <clears throat> as good as that win was, and at whatever point we talk about the Chicago game, I think the Chicago game was actually more important than the win that, uh, with DC United. Well, we're going to talk about the Chicago game in just one minute, but first you're going to give me your man of the match for the uh, DC game. Okay, so uh, my man of the match for the DC game is uh, – it has to be Barnes. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he, he came on – he changed the complexion of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he inspired everyone. He um, not only got a goal, but he – uh, you know, created chances. He got everybody up. I mean, it, it, he was obviously a difference maker at the point when he came in 
so I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, it was Barnes. Yep, total agreement. He changed he changed the emotion of the game. He changed everything about the game. He he basically turned Orlando City into a new team. Yes. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the Chicago Fire because uh, I thought. You know, if Orlando was going to get that victory against D.C. United, that they probably would get a boost and go in on Sunday and uh, get a win over Chicago. Uh, And it was not a win, but it was a good result considering the circumstances because uh, we saw the return of Rafael Ramos at right back, giving uh, Scott Sutter uh, a rare game off. And uh, so Ramos gets his first MLS action of the year. It lasted 26 minutes. Um we're yeah. going to talk much more, I'm sure, about the decisions uh, yeah. of, of referee Ted Uncle in just a bit. But uh, uh, suffice it to say, a ball's popped up in the air. Uh, Rafa tracks it uh, in the air. You can see him looking at the ball the whole way, sticks out a toe to, to bring it in. And, um, you know, right as the ball arrives, so does Brandon Vincent. And, uh, you know, basically it was just a collision on a 50-50 ball in the air. Uh, yet Rafael Ramos is the one that gets sent off by uh, Ted Uncle. Uh, that changed the entire game right away. Um, credit to Jason Christ for saying we can still get a win in this game. I'm just going to put Will Johnson at right back and keep my strikers on the field, and maybe we can hit him on the counter and, and get a goal here. And uh, so he, he was able to play the entire rest of the, the first half uh, with Johnson at right back. And, um, you know, it... it, it there were opportunities. There was an opportunity where uh, Matt Lampson was well off his line and Kyle Lahren lined up a shot and uh, where he probably should have gone for uh, a chip. He decided to hit it with power and unfortunately hit it right at uh, Lampson and it was saved. But uh, that was an, an excellent opportunity to take the lead despite being down a man. Uh, but it was not meant to be. And the teams went to the locker room at 0-0. Yeah, and that was the uh, the probably the as you said the best opportunity for Orlando to score a goal in that game. Um, given that well, one we had already gone down one player, and um, you know, but I I do like the fact that um, coach hadn't given up on attacking. Uh, obviously, when you're a man down, you do have to change your tactics, but he still had the idea and said, I mean, like you said, I mean, he moved Will back rather than bringing Sutter in. And the idea was, okay, well, we're still going to work for the counter. You know, there's opportunity there. And, and he, he kept that. He actually kept that even going into the second half and um, credit to him because uh, there were opportunities, not just that one, but there were opportunities later that unfortunately didn't come to fruition, but, uh, it, it, it still was a good, solid game plan. Yeah, I asked Jason after the game, I said, you know, how do you personally approach these types of games when you get a guy sent off in terms of going for the win or parking the bus and that kind of thing, just trying to hang on? And he said at 10, he, he will still try to hit on the counter, try to get a goal. Uh, but once it got that down to nine, obviously it was just hang on and get what, you know, get anything you can get out of the game. And, um, so, uh, you know, it didn't take a whole lot of time in the second half for Unfortunately. Orlando City uh, goes down at 66 minutes, uh, still 0-0. Antonio Nocherino goes uh, in for a challenge and gets a straight red as well. Now, in this play in particular, I felt like 
He was again tracking a ball in the air he thought he could get to. Matt Polster slid in from the side, and instead of his uh, his studs, uh, you know, knocking the ball back to his teammate where he he was, was he was he basically looked like he meant to just push that ball right back where it came from to his teammate or toward a teammate uh, upfield and in one motion. But instead, he got the rear end of uh, Matt Polster. And it was a straight red. And, it, and this was a situation where I could see why you would give him a red. But to me, it looked like it wasn't intentional. It looked like he was it was an honest attempt to play the ball, which doesn't excuse you. But it looked like, given the circumstances, considering a man had already been sent off, considering Antonio Notorino had not even fouled a single player throughout the entire game, I thought a straight red was pretty harsh. But uh, there we were with nine men. Okay, so we're at the uh, choose your own adventure part of the uh, podcast here, Michael. Uh, do you want to have me talk about uh, Uncle, or do you want me to talk about the other no, stuff? No, we'll get to Ted Uncle in, in due time. Okay, so um, the uh, look, no Torino, uh Yes, studs studs up, but like you said, if it had been anything other than already a red played, then, okay, he might have gotten a yellow, and it might have even been warranted. But it certainly would have been a straight red, and, you know, game would have been played on. And it might not, might, might not even even been that, but... Um, I mean, for my money, I saw worse challenges in that game not even get a card. I mean, there was a... I forget who it was, but somebody went into Higita with both feet up, both studs showing on both shoes, uh, got Higita really good, and it was just a regular foul. It was, oh, yeah. Uh, so. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And and yeah, that's why I was asking if you wanted to get into the dead uncle thing. So, I, um, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm just saying that now, and I'm going to move on. But, we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about the referee. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah, uh, we'll later. come back to that. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. It's nil-nil, and, uh, you know, now you're down nine men, and now you really have a tough ask for for you know you're you're playing uh eight field players in a four four there's no there's no top there's no there's zero at the top it's a four four zero um and he goes even more defensive he he takes off you know uh Rivas came off uh and uh you know Laren came off and, and it so right. it, I mean I mean Kaka is the top guy and Kaka is only there in a in a pseudo weekend attack sense he was not really out there to attack so much as to no of course he was pre- of course he was he was there to take pressure off with possession and and you know be able to hold the ball a few extra seconds whereas you know most of your of your midfielders are not going to necessarily be able to you know dribble through a couple of guys and hang on to the ball for a few seconds they give your defense a breather but uh, exactly that's right out there so they they you know he gets down toward the end and, and time's running out and Chicago's throwing more and more forward. They're, changing, they're bringing on, they're bringing off defensive players and bringing on attackers. They're really going for it, and uh, you know he gets into stoppage time and they hit the crossbar, and then a couple of minutes later they hit the crossbar again, and it was just like th- that second crossbar told me, hey, we've got a shot at hanging on to this point, and um, sure enough, uh, shortly thereafter the whistle blew. It was a nil-nil draw. The best nil-nil draw you'll ever, ever get. Okay, so a couple things. One, the first hit the crossbar. Hits, goes straight down. Yeah, straight and down. And they, they had to review that one to make sure it didn't go in. And it did not. And they reviewed it and did not. And then 
we get the second cross, uh, second crossbar hit. And now, listeners don't know, I wasn't able to watch the game. I'm driving back from Orlando, listening to the game on the radio as I'm driving. So obviously being very safe as I'm pumping my fist in the air every time we stop a, uh, a potential goal. But um, uh, so I'm thinking to myself, finally, the crossbars are paying us back because they've killed us a couple times earlier. They owe us. Oh, sure. Yeah, for sure. It was, it's been like eight eight crossbars this year. Right. Eight, so, uh, eight woodwork uh, hits. This right. Year. So they owe us. So they gave us two back. I'll, you know what? I'll give it to them. You gave us two back. That's fine. I'm not saying they don't still owe us, but they gave us two back in that game. That's fine. Um, and then, you know, but more importantly, I mean, crossbar, that's luck. What we should focus on is the absolute dedication that the entire team had defense on that. I mean, because when you go one man down, okay, you have to play defense. When you go two man down, oh my God. I mean, coach even himself said it. He was like, uh, when he went in the press conference, he was like, look, I don't want to take any questions about red cards because I just want to focus on what my guys did after that and how positive they played. And they really played hard for each other in that game. I mean, there were bodies being thrown. If you go back, because I did today, if you go back and look at the game, they were throwing throwing their bodies around, blocking balls, doing everything they could to keep stuff out of the goal. I mean, it it it's amazing. It was truly, if it's not the best defensive game of the year in MLS, then I will challenge anybody, and this is obviously on record on a podcast, I will challenge anybody to tell me by the end of the season what is the best defensive effort by any team in MLS. It was one of the better performances you'll see on defense. Uh, DC didn't get that many really good quality chances, even though they were up two men. I mean, or sorry, Chicago uh, didn't get. And, and this is a team with the league's leading goal scorer, so yeah. they they weren't getting real good quality chances. It was a very organized defense, despite it only being eight men and a goalkeeper. Um, it was, uh, you know, they were forcing everything outside. They were staying very compact, very organized, making cross after cross come in. And here's where I talk about Leo Pereira, because every cross in, he seemed to head 30 yards down the field. I mean, the man was, uh, he was like a man possessed. He's starting for Jose Aja, and he, he came up big. I thought Pereira was one of the, one of the better performers uh, on the night, I thought uh, Scott Sutter did nice a, a nice job when once he came in uh, for Johnson to start the second half. And, uh, and, I thought that Specter obviously had a good game as as well, and um, you know, it, and PC PC was I, th- I don't think anybody ran as much as PC did in that game. Well, no, and let's not forget Joe Bendick early because uh, it's it's easy to it, it's easy to focus on the latter half of the game when you know mm-hmm. everybody's scoring in the box. But early on, Bendick had a bunch of big saves early in the game that kept it from you know being having to come back yep six save night for joe uh is probably his best one was uh, he had a couple of, of saves at the end of the first half uh against nikolic and uh, i think those were probably his best saves of the game and uh, just a really nice uh nice game from joe so uh i'm going to give my man of the match first this time since we're talking two games uh, i'm going to go with will johnson who not only um 
was, you know, played, had to play out of position for a good portion of the game and did it very well as we did, as we saw early in the, in the, uh, the season, he in fact got involved right away with a, you know, knocking down a, a, a ball over the top with a header. He was more than that though. He was the emotional leader. He was every bit as, uh, you know, fiery and passionate and charging up his teammates uh, Sunday night as Giles Barnes was on Wednesday night. So so Will Johnson, for that reason alone, and he had a good game besides, uh, was my man of the match. Well, I like it better when you uh, ask me who my man of the match is first so that I'm not second fiddle because also my <laughs> my, game, my man of the match is also Will Johnson because of all the reasons you said. Um, yeah, and I, I even alluded to it early when we started talking about the match that he uh, – you know, he 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 was the one that that after the red card was the one that kept the team together. That did everything. I mean, I, the the one point I'll add is is that he did all of that, and then when Kaká came in, without hesitation, he passed the armband off. Yeah, I mean, he's just a class act. He's not. He's not. He knows that the team captain is Kaká. Right, but and my, he's, a, my... he's 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 going to always be. Uh, Johnny on the spot, not just do it. He do, does it demonstrably. He wants everybody to know he is bowing down to the Brazilian. This is not my team. This well, is Kaká's. Yeah, but it, I don't even think it's that. I think it's it's. I think it's more of a respect thing. I don't even think it's a bowing down. I think it's it's simply a look. I'm when I'm on the field and Kaká's on the field. I'm going to take this job and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And when he's not, I'm going to hand off the armband. But I'm still going to do everything I can. To do my best job, it, it, it's not like he hands off the arm man and then he stops doing stuff. He doesn't. He simply hands off the arm man. He still does everything that he was going to do prior to that. Well, it's Will's going to will. There's no question. Will, will exactly. Will, gonna will, will. will is going to will. And yeah. okay, whether Kaká is on the field or not, Will is going to will. And right, exactly. So, uh, Michael, good job. And, Will's going to will. And Dave, like it. where there's a will, there's a way. Oh, so just uh, just to uh, let you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, so big point, big point for Orlando and, um, you know, the, under the very difficult circumstances, once you go down a man early, the, probably the best result you're going to get is a draw. And, uh, so they, they get another result at the purple palace. And oh, uh, if you so, go two men down, the best result ever is a draw. So let's face it. Yeah. I don't think I've, I, I don't think I've, I think the last time there's only been, a, I think one other time Orlando city in MLS play has been down two men. And I think they lost that game five nil. Right. Uh, no, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying go back <laughs> to soccer and find two men down win. Yeah, I, I know. It's it's just not it's it's not going to happen. I, we're on the same page. I think you're arguing, uh, even though I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not arguing. We're we're agreeing. We're vehemently agreeing yes. with each other. Yes. Okay. All right. So now let's get into this. Um, All right. Let's go. Does Ted Uncle belong in MLS? Uh, <sighs> Because universally, I will let me let me start off by saying universally, it doesn't matter what teams fans you are are seeing on Twitter. If they find out they've got Ted Uncle, it's yeah. an immediate reaction, negative yeah. reaction, uh, yeah. for a guy who is a veteran ref in this league to continuously just absolutely draw this much hatred from every fan base. Is it's got to say something. It's like no single. I have never seen anyone defend him as a good referee. It, it, 
Yes, exactly. If it was uh, certain fan bases, then you can chalk it up to favoritism. But if it's every fan base, then we are talking about a systemic problem regarding the referee in question, and thus they need to be gone. (laughs) Yeah, so obviously we will probably both say there's no way in hell Rafael Ramos should have got sent off. Um, There's no way anybody is going to say, actually, let's, let's be clear. Every single person that saw that, including people who play the game, including people who played the game, including referees that played the game and or referees that refereed the game went on Twitter and said, yeah, that was not right. Except Simon Borg. Simon Borg said it's a referee. Okay, except Simon Borg, yes. Which, you know, Borg going to Borg as well. So There's always going to be one. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would say I would say that uh, obviously the club is appealing that red card. They're not appealing no Chirinos, which had a much more difficult uh, time of being overturned. Again, when you to overturn a red card, it's got to be unanimous between the three members of the panel. And uh, that's very, very difficult since there is an official on the panel. So... Uh, they don't like to say that their their brethren made mistakes, and uh, I think it's it's probably a coin flip whether or not Rafa gets off because you, again it's very difficult to overturn them. It needs to be unanimous. Uh, so I would say 50-50 chance on that. I definitely don't think Nocherinos would have gotten overturned. Okay. I've seen people saying that Nocherino might get extra games, but I think that would be incredibly harsh because there was absolutely no intent. It really wasn't that hard of contact. And I, it was a, it, it was to me, I would, cause, because during the game, I'm above the game in the press box. I'm looking down. I have a very good angle. He was sort of coming toward me when that happened. And I saw what, where his eyes were and what he was trying to do. And there's no doubt in my mind, he thought he was getting to that ball first. In fact, he seemed a bit surprised that Polster got there in, ahead of him. So I don't think that it was anything but an attempt to play the ball, which doesn't, always it doesn't excuse a foul and well, i do think it was a foul and i do think it was probably a yellow card i just don't think it warranted a straight red especially under the circumstances well unfortunately and, and also I, I certainly don't think it's worth additional games okay well unfortunately uh like you said you were in the press box so you're looking down on it so you have a visual perspective that gives you that perspective Mm -hmm. a ref on the field is not going to have that perspective they can only have what they see right unfortunate but true and so uh, the rules right now that's what's going to happen so uh, the no torino i well i'd rather not as a fan i can understand that one now if it's, I can understand it. Too. No, no, and no. I if it's that. if it's give if 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 it's give extra time, then no, no. I do. I I disagree completely. Um, especially because we did not get a reciprocal call on the should not have been called Rafa call, which usually in a game for listeners who may or may not know, typically in a game, if you get a call like that that's egregiously wrong, you get a reciprocal call later on. If something happens that mitigates that and so evens things out, we did not get that in that well, game. No. No. Orlando City doesn't get makeup calls. I know we don't, but I'm saying generally in soccer, <laughs> and I know Orlando City doesn't, but generally in soccer that happens, which we did not, and it did not happen. And as such, actually, uh, which is leading to the whole Ted Uncle hates us thing, um, which I'm sure we'll address soon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but anyway, uh, given all that, uh, I, 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 don't think that it should be. I, 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 yeah, I'm. I don't. I don't even know. I don't. I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, we'll talk about some other things. We'll we'll get back to that. But I, I don't. I don't think. Again, I, I like I said, no Torino. I thought in any normal game, under any normal circumstances, if he gets a red, I understand it. Even though I don't agree with it, I understand it. Uh, in this particular game, I thought the circumstances were baloney that they sent him off. He right. should have gotten the benefit of that. It's not like he was uh, like Jao Mera of Chicago had three very hard fouls, didn't even get a warning, let alone a yellow card. Uh, that was the first action uh, that that Notorino had that, where he put a foot wrong at all the entire well, night. Uh, and, and, and given that we had already had a straight red, right? That's exactly what I'm, I'm what I was getting at. Is, yeah. is the circumstances warranted a little more leniency? Uh, so even if you think it's a red card. In Dead that uncle. circumstance, you know, maybe you maybe you uh, say, all right, I'm, I'm going to give a, a break here because obviously they're already down a man. I've already screwed this game up, but maybe Ted you uncle. just double down. Ted Uncle doubled down. He said, eh, I've already I've already ruined this game. Why not just completely <laughs> throw it out? Ted Uncle. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I keep saying Ted Uncle for some reason. I'm sorry. <sighs> well, never bring your drunk uncle to the soccer game, folks. That's what I got to say. Uh, wait, wait, never bring your Ted Uncle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was sort of that was sort of the play on words. You just ruined it. You ruined oh, it, Dave. Damn it, Dave, damn it, Dave, damn it, Dave's damn it. a ruiner. Dave's yes, a ruiner. But, uh, well, let's move on to the Orlando Pride, Dave, because let's they also do that because you know what? That was a great game. They also played in a downpour uh, at Orlando City Stadium uh, on Saturday, and uh, the uh, the ladies came home and got a victory. Uh, they remain unbeaten at Orlando City Stadium. And uh, a 2-0 win over the Boston Breakers. Marta gets her first goal at home. And also, the first penalty kick in Pride history for the Pride. And uh, she nailed it. So, uh, it was a good ball uh, that sent uh, her in. And she was the one fouled. She stepped around the keeper, Abby Smith. Abby Smith took her down uh, before she could get to the... She would have gotten to the ball first and just tapped it in. Uh, Abby Smith took her out. So, it was a penalty. And uh, Marta scored the first goal to make it 1-0. And uh, it wasn't too long after that. And that was very early in the game, by the way. And then it wasn't too long after that. A nice build-up play. Uh, Camilla sends in uh, Jasmine Spencer for an easy tap-in. And it's 2-0. And it really seemed like the Pride could have had a lot more goals. But they ended up winning by that score. And uh, it was weird because all the NWSL games this weekend all ended up 2-0. But Orlando City, or I'm sorry, Orlando Pride, is, is slowly creeping back in, David. They're going to get more and more home games, even though they, their next game is on the road after the international break. They're going to get more and more home games. They're creeping up the standings now, and they're starting to get better and better. And uh, Camilla has been unbelievable. They're getting they're healthier, and they're going to get a striker back in a few weeks named Alex Morgan. So uh, when she recovers from her hamstring issue, she will be uh, joining the team. So uh, it's things are looking good for Tom Sermani's group. It, it, it's almost like we talked about this before, where uh, we, we talked about how the first part of the season was going to be rough, and then they would get people back, and they had Marta, and they had Alec coming back, and, uh, and all of a sudden, things would start going their way. And guess what? Boom, it started to happen. So uh, first thing, okay, Boston Breakers, um, they assert themselves early in that game. Um, Marta getting 
free on uh, that breakaway and then getting the penalty and then the penalty kick, which must not be surprised. She made the penalty kick. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one up, you know, one up. Uh, and then Camilla. Camilla. Actually, I think Camilla was probably the best player in that game that day. She was great in chances all day. And uh, Jasmine was on the end of one of those, put it in, got the second um, goal, and that put it away. Um, I, I think that uh, it's 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 what we can see going forward. And like you said, I mean, we're going to get Alex back. I actually was with somebody who um, nominally watched soccer, not even like a, 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 a all-day soccer person and i said oh hey by the way the uh predator and have marta and and they're gonna get alex and they were like really that's gonna be potent absolutely and it's uh, it's a testament to jasmine spencer who started the season in a bit of a slump she's really finding her form she was the one that slipped marta in with that pass that uh, led to the penalty she scored a goal she had another very uh, near miss at the post she really had a good game and, and she's starting to become a much more dangerous and confident player, which uh, is good to see. So uh, they're they're off uh, this week. They're going to be back in action uh, later in the month. Uh, they're coming back to play. They're actually going to be at Houston Dash, and uh, then they're going to start to see you know more and more of these home games and uh, a chance for the Pride to move up in the table uh, just at the at the time that they're that they're about to get Alex back and and things can can really move from there. So it'd be good to see some momentum built. It kind of would be the opposite of last season where the team started off very strong and, uh, and then just completely fell apart. Uh, and you know, once the Olympic break, uh, was upon us and, uh, you know, it's good to see cause you know, as pride fans, we want them to do well. And, and we, we kind of expect with this roster that they will do well. Uh, but we haven't seen those results because those, you know, again, we get back to the road games and not to be, uh, beating a dead horse, but it's so hard to win in this country in soccer on the road. And uh, it, the NWSL is a very, um, there's very little margin for error because the teams are very, very closely uh, uh, aligned in terms of talent and ability and coaching and all of that. So uh, good for Tom Sermani, uh, good for Marta, good for Jasmine Spencer, and uh, good for the team to keep a clean sheet because uh, Aubrey Bledsoe, I think that was her first clean sheet with the Pride. Absolutely. And, you know, we we can't overstate how good that is, especially given it, it was home and the crowd and all of that. And, and I know that that was a big factor in all of it. Yeah, good crowd of 5,000 plus in the rain for an NWSL game. It was the highest uh, attended NWSL game of the weekend. So uh, congrats to Pride fans. I'm sure that would have even been higher had uh, there not been some really horrific weather going on. Um so, but you know, the Pride weren't the only team to win from Orlando City's organization this weekend. Saturday was uh, an OCB match as well. They uh, went up to Pittsburgh to play the Riverhounds and fell behind pretty early in the game. Former USL Lion Corey Herzog putting the Riverhounds ahead in picturesque Highmark Stadium, uh, where you can see both trains and boats go right past the field uh, in the background. It's a really, really beautiful setting. If it had natural grass it might be the best usl specific <laughs> stadium in the league it really it really might uh you know because obviously orlando city stadium is nice but it's not a usl only stadium um no. they share it with an mls team but uh so pittsburgh takes the lead 
And uh, you know the the uh, the lads from OCB though would not go quietly. They uh, they struck back, got a goal, made it 1-1. Late in the game, uh, this uh, via a Haji Berry goal, by the way. Haji mm-hmm. was playing some uh, moonlighting down in the uh, USL for Orlando City. And it was weird. It was a great buildup, and then the ball just kind of pinged around the box and pinged around and pinged around. And you never, nobody could really get a good, clean touch on the ball. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, sort of a half shot in, deflected off the defender, landed right on uh, Haji's foot, and he put it in to make it 1 1. Uh, late in the game, or later in the game, it was Zach Ellis Hayden getting his first professional goal. Uh, he cut in on a nice play, got it, took a took a pass from uh, the very same Haji Berry, and then curled in a shot, nice uh, hard shot, curled in at the back post and made it 2-1. Uh, and you know OCB goes uh, you know goes to 500 on the season and, and climbs back above the playoff line uh, despite being on the road. So uh, other than that blip against Charlotte in a game where OCB really did play. Uh, the better soccer for most of the game and, and just had trouble in, in the final third a bit and just couldn't quite, um, you know, they had a couple of defensive lapses that they paid for every single one. Uh, Charlotte was the only game that they have dropped in the last couple of months. And that was, that was after only playing their second game in a month. So not, you know, a little bit of rust was to be expected. And uh, it was nice to see they, they go to Pittsburgh and get the win and uh, that'll be a nice three points to bring back for uh, the game against the Rochester Rhinos at home tonight, uh, if you are listening to this when it drops. Yeah, uh, uh, well, and of course, I mean, there's rush to be expected. I mean, two games in a month. I mean, heck, if 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 I had that much time off, I would be bad at my job, too. I mean, you know, let's yeah. face it. Well. Well, you, you might not sell as many cars as what you're saying. If you have I might, yeah, exactly. Well, no, because <laughs> well, I, to break it down real quick, I mean, I, it, w- it would mean I wouldn't have talked to as many people, which mean I wouldn't have as many opportunities, which mean I wouldn't sell as many cars. So, if let's translate that to soccer, so it would mean that I wasn't practicing as much, I wouldn't have uh, had as many opportunities, which means I wouldn't have scored as many goals. So, um, it's a tough thing. If you're not on the field, if you're not doing it, you know, it's one thing to practice, but it's one thing to play. If you're practicing, you're doing drills, you're doing whatever. And, and you might even be doing uh, situational drills, but it's not like playing game time against somebody else who is trying to beat you. So uh, that being said, uh, given that there was two matches that in a month period. So to come in and, and, and to do that and to get that, that was fantastic, um, especially given that, uh, you know, Anthony is dealing with, as we've noted before, lineups that are changing and whatnot. So I, I, I felt that um, I, I was, of course, as you were, I was watching that at the same time I was watching the Pride match. Yep, I was watching double screen experience. Right, double screen, double screen. <laughs> so I'm like, my eyes are going back and forth. And uh, so, I mean, I could only catch so much of it as I could. But, uh, you know, I felt really good about it. I, it, it was, I felt they did excellent. And then I, going forward, given that um, we've uh, we've gone through that, well, I, I don't want to say tough for our season because they, they didn't have a lot of games, but the um, they've learned to play within whatever they have to play. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, they, I mean, they played a lot of games early in the season, and then they had a right. month where they hardly played at all. So it's right, been but, a couple of it's been sort of like two sides of the coin, where too many games and then not enough games, and uh, it, it'll be interesting. I, I think this team is ahead of where last year's team was, and and I think it was great that they went and got a win on the road in a game where I didn't really think Pierre de Silva had a very good game, and Richie Larea was suspended for yellow card uh, accumulation. So. Uh, and know, they yet were, they, they had one big gun missing. Another big gun was was off his game a little bit. Uh, Albert Dequa, the, the co-leading scorer, wasn't uh, on the pitch to start the game. He started on the bench and came in as, as a replacement later. Uh, so despite all that and being on the road you know, to go out, out there and get a victory, especially even after falling behind, speaks very highly of this team. And, and I think it's uh, and it was just a, a shame that uh, uh Danny Deacon couldn't finish his shot. He he crushed one off the crossbar. Speaking of crossbars, uh, he had an opportunity <laughs> to get his first uh, pro goal, and uh, he just uh, was snake bitten on that shot. So, uh, good job by them. Uh, I want to find out what people thought about playing on a on a field with boats and trains going by. So I think we should probably get to this week's guest, and we'll do that right after this. Joining us here on episode 89 of the Mainland Podcast is Orlando City B midfielder Jordan Schweitzer. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. So I wanted to just jump right in and, and ask sort of an off-the-wall question to start with. Um, the game at yeah. Pittsburgh the other night, uh, I, if Highmark Stadium, I've never been there, but I just wondered, is it distracting to play a soccer game with trains and boats going like right by the field. <laughs> uh, it's actually not as bad as you think. Uh, I think uh, it's definitely more uh, scenic venues in the USL uh, with, with the city being across the water there. Um, and uh, no, it was definitely an experience. Um, but uh, you know, that's, that's one of the great things about being able to play in this league. You, you get to see a lot of different places and, uh, and Pittsburgh's definitely a different place. So, um, you know, always fun to be on the road, uh, even better when you're at home, right? So we're definitely looking forward to, to being back in the stadium that we're comfortable in. Well, and, and speaking of that, I mean, you know, Michael mentioned that, you know, trains and boats and all that. How much nicer is it at the brand new sparkling purple palace of Orlando City Stadium? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, as a player, uh, I mean, you really can't ask for much more uh, than that kind of venue to, to get to play. So, um, I mean, I, I mean, you can ask any player. That's that's a dream come true to be able to play in, in, in a fantastic stadium. So, uh, you know, everyone's uh, a little more excited. Uh, I think uh, when we get teams in, right, they're they're excited to play in, in a stadium like that, which um, I think it adds to the game and, and it adds to the energy and the excitement in the building. Um, you know, no matter how many fans are there, so it's it's definitely a great experience. And and uh, you know, we always relish the opportunity to play to play at home. Jordan, I want to go back to December when the the club announced that you were coming in uh, to play at OCB. You're a a former homegrown for Seattle, and um, I just wanted to to kind of get a sense of what – when did you know you were going to be leaving Seattle? Uh, What was sort of the recruiting process that got you to Orlando, and and what made you decide on, uh, on coming to Orlando City? Yeah, no, I think um, towards the end of my time in Seattle, um, you know, I was I was um, excited to, to get into Seattle, go back to where I grew up and to be around family and, and to have the opportunity to play there was something that 
you know, I hoped for as a, a young academy kid in their system. Uh, and as it kind of came to the end of the year and, um, you know, I was kind of thinking about options and, and, and having to make some tough decisions as far as my, my career goes um, uh, and getting a chance to talk with uh, the staff here in Orlando and, and talk with um, aunts and, and kind of hear what was going on here um, and, and really get a feel for uh, the community um, and then the community within Orlando City as an organization. Uh, it was something I was really excited about. Um, everyone's very, um, very on board with, with really putting Orlando City on the map from top to bottom. Um, and, and I always want to be around a culture uh, and a group of people who are, who are motivated. Um, I think that was the thing that really drove me is, is the opportunity to come to um, Orlando and, and be around that very passionate, motivated group of people um, to, to continue my development as a player and, and continue to, to push myself. Um, I wanted to be in an environment where I could do that on a basis, you know, every single day. Um, and that was really where the decision came down. Um, and from then, um, the organization's been nothing but, but amazing from, from top to bottom and, and uh, very welcoming and, and very proud to, to be able to be a part of this community, um, you know, as a player and then off the field as well. Well, we're glad to have you. And, um, of course, you know, coming from a, uh, a soccer town like Seattle is, uh, obviously, to the soccer capital of the south of Orlando, obviously, you've you've now played in, you know, two of the, the biggest uh, areas uh, in the United States as far as that goes. Um, given that, um, of course, you've got a, what, what, what we would say is a little bit nicer weather, you know, maybe not quite so rainy, or if it is rainy, it's only rainy for like two hours. <laughs> You know, then it goes away and sunny again. But, um, um, right. you know, uh, obviously you, you saw an opportunity here. And I'm actually most curious about what opportunity are you hoping to take advantage of uh, in your time with Orlando City B? I think, um, as I said, the opportunity to continue to develop on, on a daily basis is huge at, at any level for, for any player. Um, and then that's the, the very fundamental, quick very uh, nice answer, right? And, and I think for me too, it's, it's with OCB it's to develop individually and, and at the end of the day to win games and, and, and do well as a team, right? I think um, I'm, I'm a holding center mid, I'm, I'm a six and um, you know, a lot of the things that I, I do within you know, my role is, is for the team and I think um, success on any level for any player comes with team success. Um, so you know, we want to win as many games as possible. We want to you know, make playoffs, and, and we're going to make a push for a USL championship um, and, and continue to develop each and every game um, as a group. Uh, and, and individually, uh, I want to play at the highest level that I can for as long as I can and enjoy this amazing opportunity, um, especially here in Orlando, like I said, with such a, um, a great organization. So for me personally, it's, it's continue to get in the lineup. It's to continue to... to um, you know, win games with OCB and then individually push for a roster spot in the MLS. I think that's that's every player's goal within a, a second team of an MLS affiliate. Um, and uh, you know, that's that's definitely within my um, my goals for this year. Jordan, you, you touched on the fact that you know you're you're playing in the midfield. It's it's a, an area uh, that there's. I think a bit of depth in this organization and, and of course uh, being a, an MLS two side um, 
you know, there's there's opportunities for for first team players coming down to to take minutes from you guys a little bit um, and, and kind of forcing you in and out of the lineup uh, and that sort of thing. What is it like for you to play and um, prepare for for games in, in this kind of environment where you're really not sure from game to game who's going to be, uh, you know, uh, sent down to, to get minutes and, and that kind of thing? And what has Anthony Pulis told you about your, um, you know, your future and, and what he'd like to see from you? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question. I think um, there's, there's lots of moving pieces being with the second team. And, and I think as long as you look at it from a development aspect, it's, it's always an opportunity to grow. Uh, things, whether you're with a first team or a second team, constantly change in this career, in this profession. And, and I think that's no different. And it's definitely a bit heightened being on a second team, but uh, it doesn't change the way that, um, you know, the guys approach a session, uh, approach development, uh, and, and I'm, you know, I do the, the same. So for me, it's, 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 you know, if I'm in the lineup, uh, I'm going to do the best that I can. And if I'm not, I'm going to do everything that I can to, to make sure that that decision uh, is really tough to leave me out of a lineup, um, you know, with the understanding that, as you said, sometimes first team guys drop down, and and we understand um, that that's part of being on a second team. Uh, and I think it's it's being open to to the process of developing and and understanding, you know, to to focus on controlling what you can control and, and allowing the rest to kind of be as it is at this point. Um, as far as communication with Ants and, and the rest of the staff, uh, Rob, it's it's good. I think. They're always challenging you to, to improve uh, individually. Uh, there's film sessions and, you know, throughout even our hectic U.S. health schedule, um, there's times where we're constantly being, you know, criticized and, and told, hey, this is if you want to continue to develop and make it to the next level, you know, here are certain things that you need to do. So the communication piece as far as, you know, Continuing our development has been fantastic, and, and there's that understanding that, you know, there's a lot of things even for answer or for Rob that uh, necessarily is somewhat uh, predetermined, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, as a player, you, you can't really hold it against uh, a coaching staff when, you know, there's, there's larger things at play, and, and obviously as a whole um, for the organization, there's things that they have to get done, and uh, we're just a piece um, of that larger organization. And we're continuing to, to do the best that we can and, and develop and, and, as I said, make it difficult, um, you know, for, for coaching staff to make decisions. Um, you know, you always want to be playing and always be in the lineup. Um, but with it being a long season and, and with being on a second team, that's not always the case. So um, continue to develop, focus on controlling what you can control each day and, and enjoying the opportunity to, to throw on the shirt every time uh, a game comes around and, and you're on the team sheet. So, um you know, it's, it's part of the process, and, and I'm definitely going to be enjoying every part of it here in the sun. Well, Jordan, I think I can speak for both Michael and myself when we say that uh, given how we feel about OCB and, and, and what the purpose of, of it is and what Ant is doing, um, you – pretty much just summed up everything we've said all year in regards to that uh, as far as you know being a development squad but at the same time you know wanting to win and um, you know your mentality there seems incredibly in line with what we're hoping for uh, from the team so 
given all that and given that you're 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 on that same page what i'm i'm actually curious about is um what is it when when you came to orlando city and, and you're talking to ant and you're talking to the rest of them I'm sure you had some parts of your game that you thought, okay, this is, you know, parts of your game are are strong and parts of your game need development. What do you think that you are, are your strengths and what are you hoping to develop to get you to that next level? That's a, that's a great question. I think uh, as a player, you have to be constantly, you know, evaluating yourself and, and being um, self-reflective. And, and I'm someone who, who tries to do that um, constantly. Um, I think, being a, a six, being a defensive-minded uh, midfielder, it, for me, it's, it's the strengths are um, tactically. I'm always aware of, of positioning and making sure that um, I'm in the right spots. The guys around me are in the right spots. Uh, someone who's communicating and and making sure that the group is organized, uh, breaking up plays, and and really helping with the transition from um, defense to attack. Being being a link between the back four and and connecting. Uh, with the guys higher up that, you know, are, are up top for a reason. They're, those are our goal scorers. Those are the dynamic players. And, and, and the more times that, that I and the rest of the midfielders in the back can get those guys on the ball, more often than not, we're going to get good chances on goals, um, you know, and then four goals. So um, that's, that's really me in a nutshell. I'm someone who, who uh, you know, who really wants to, to make an impact on games through my defensive work and, and, and helping keep the ball in possession. And as I said, uh, working it higher up to, to get those guys and get scoring opportunities. Um, and as far as you know, the, the areas in my game that, that I continue to work on, it's, it's um, I think, continuing to, to evolve as a six. I think playing at the next level, you look at guys like, um, I mean, someone like Will Johnson, who, who's more of an eight. Um, you look at a, a Carrasco, a guy that, um, I got to know a little bit when he was in Seattle uh, when I was an academy kid. Um, you look at a Notorino, um, very calm on the ball, very composed, um, and guys that obviously do the, the, the defensive work as well when they need to. So um, I think being being with the second team, there's also um, an amazing opportunity to to be around those guys, to, to see them day in, day out, to, to have opportunities to train with them, uh, to get to see them in games. And, um you know, I think that's the big piece is, is taking in that next step and that, uh, the, that sense of professionalism and, and day in, day out consistency um, at the next level. I think that's the piece that I need to continue to work on and, and one that I'm, I'm continuing to um, evaluate in my own game. Um, but it's someone that also as a six can, can make a difference in, in score a goal when they need to. I think that's, that's one of the things that when you look at defensive midfielders or midfielders in general, it's, it's those who can continue to make an impact on the game in, in an offensive manner. And, and that's something I want to continue to add um, into my game as well. So um, as I said, it's being in this environment with a great group of guys in OCB, a, a staff that's motivated and hungry and, and excited to develop and, and, and really focused on developing and winning games, which is, I think they, that comes hand in hand. Um, is, is really, really um, great for a young guy like me early in my career. Jordan, you have a, a teammate that's had sort of a similar uh, career path in terms of 
uh, being signed by the first team, then being cut and signed to the reserve team in Danny Deacon. Did you did you offer him mm-hmm. any advice or anything? I mean, I'm sure your situations aren't weren't exactly the same, but but have you talked to him about that and 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 uh, sort of given him some guidance on on uh, on your experiences? Yeah, I think any chance that you can help a guy out on your team, um, you know, and an experience that you've had, I think that's that's always something that we hope to do. And OCB, as I said, uh, a fantastic group of guys, a hard-working group of guys, and, and Danny Deacon fits that mold perfectly. It's he he came in and and from day one there was there was no ego involved in it. There was he understand obviously and you know the professional side of this business early on, <laughs> like I did and. And, um, but I, I've been nothing but impressed in, in how he approaches every single training session, um, from day one. And, um, you know, obviously going through it myself, um, understanding the emotions of, uh, and the highs and lows. I, I think he's done a fantastic job of balancing that out and, and really focusing on, on coming into training each day. And, and it's, it's shown in the games that he's gotten opportunities to play in for us. So, um, no, he's, he's definitely uh, a talented player and, and one that is continuing to uh, impress, you know, all, all the players and, and the staff. So um, expect to see him on the, on the score sheet and, and, uh, and with some assists tallying up here, uh, the more games he gets, he's a, he's a fun guy to play with. And um, I think, obviously, you know, it's, it's not maybe where any player would want to be uh, given the, the, the path that he had set out for him. But but I think in the long run it's it's an opportunity to to to, to get a big learning lesson and it's a it's a very humbling experience uh, and and I think he's he's definitely someone who with the right mindset that he's had uh, you know given the opportunity uh, he can make the most of it so um, you know you try to help out um, you know the other players in the group when they when they need it but Danny's been someone who who's been uh, nothing but a but a pro uh, given the circumstances so. Um, yeah, expect big things from Danny Deacon. He's a great guy and uh, definitely going to get some goals here recently. So uh, expect some, some good stuff from him. Well, well speaking of uh, good stuff, um, you know, obviously uh, we're hoping for the best from you. And, um, you know, coming a, a, as you did from Seattle, you know, a good program there into here with uh, Ant. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to uh, you, you obviously, you know, had a, a – made a conscious decision to do so. And I'm sure certain that you had conversations with Ann mm-hmm. when you were coming in. Um, what was it about what he said and, or, you know, what is it that he's doing um, in regards to not just your development, but the team development, but also, you know, related to you that um, it, it is particularly uh, hopeful or, you know, something that you're in, in, enjoying or, or grateful for uh, as you go forward in your career. It has to be the staff, and then that includes, you know, as I said, Ant and Rob, uh, their attention to detail, um, the thought that they they give to each training session, uh, why we do certain things, our, our philosophy. I think um, with OCD being, you know, still a fairly new um, USL team, right, a, a new um, part of this, of this organization, um, there's always going to be, um, opportunities to grow and develop, um, you know, as, as a club uh, within that. But right from the start, it was very clear um, that what had gone on last year, um, they, they wanted more from, from the second team. 
they were hungry. They they were going to go after um, players that had shown well in the USL, um, you know, in years previous, and and they were really really passionate about uh, the opportunity to not only grow OCB but but the players within it. And and that's what stuck out for me was uh, was that passion and that energy and that drive uh, and, and really the motivation to to, to make not only OCB but the players in it very very good and. Uh, and, and to go out and win things. I think you know, every player, you, you want to win at any level. Um, and, and I think, as I said, those those are definitely the things that stood out. Uh, and, and it's shown uh, from day one uh, till, till, I mean, it's going to be through the end of the season. The attention to detail, uh, the training sessions have been uh, very organized. And, and, and with the group of guys that they brought in, uh, it's 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 always a great environment to train in, and as a player, that's all you can really ask for. So, um, those, those are what those were the, the different attributes in, in, in speaking with Amp that that stood out for me, and, and I think that's that's something that any player would be attracted to. And uh, you know, the fact that I get to come and enjoy this amazing weather you guys have, and and be in, in this community um, is, is just an added bonus uh, and one that I'm I'm grateful for. But um, it's 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 been an absolute privilege to wake up each morning and, and, and go to work. Um, and that's, that's, that's the, that's the beauty of being here. So, um, really, really enjoying, uh, the opportunity to, to develop, uh, in, in, a, in an organization, uh, and with a group of guys and, and a coaching staff that's motivated to, to get better on, on a daily basis. All right, Jordan, before we let you get out of here, I want to hit you with some, some rapid fire questions here at the end. Uh, just going to rattle them off real quick and just give me a real quick answer. Uh, we'll start with um, assess your performance this season on a scale from 1 to 10. Oof, always room for improvement. I think uh, I'm going to go to 6, 7, uh, right in there. All right. Okay. Uh, assess the team's performance so far this season, 1 to 10. Uh, we've had some really good games and some other games where I think we, we want them back. So uh, at this point in the season, uh, for the five. All right. Who is the team's jokester? Ooh, uh, there's a couple guys, but I'm going to go with Ben Polk. He's always, uh, he's always in around the locker. So Ben <laughs> Polk. All right. Uh, who is the most serious member of the team? Oh, easy. Uh, that'd be Jake, uh, the keeper. He's, uh, yeah, he, he likes a good laugh as well, but he, he's definitely someone that, that is uh, very, very much a pro, and, and uh, you know, you can read it on his face pretty quickly. Uh, who do you model your game after? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, growing up, it was always Steven Gerrard. Uh, I've gotten nice. a bit older and a little bit more defensive. Uh uh, I really like watching Michael Carrick, even though it, that hurts as, a, as someone who grew up a, a Liverpool fan. Um, uh, <laughs> Michael Carrick's definitely someone I, I, I enjoy watching. All right, Michael, I'm interrupting here for just a second. Jordan, Liverpool fan here also. Don't give up on Gerard. You'll never walk alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you always love to hear it. <laughs> All right. Um, in three words, describe what it's like to play for the Canadian U23s. Proud, um, motivating, um, and and exciting. Uh, good or bad? Playing midweek 
midday games in Canada in the upcoming trip? <laughs> uh, indifferent. Is there is that a, an option? Um, <laughs> sure. No, nah, I think it's it's going to be uh, you know one that I haven't experienced since uh, since college playing a mid mid uh, midday game. So uh, going to have to get the the guys fired up for that one. Uh, but definitely uh, looking forward to, to getting three points at any time of day. It doesn't matter. Uh, last one. Uh, describe Ant Pulis in one word. Ooh. That's a tough one. Pulis in one word. I feel like the Brits are always stoic. Like, they're very, like, proper. Um, and especially the way he comes off as a coach is very, um, very professional. Um, he's exactly what you would expect from a Brit. Um, but he also does love a good joke from time to time. Uh, so it's, it's it's nice to see him uh, obviously connect with the guys as well. But, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Stoic. Stoic. All right. Jordan Schweitzer, you have been uh, fantastic. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast with us. Gr- uh, have a have a great game against the Rochester Rhinos, and good luck to you the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoyed being on, and uh, you guys have a great rest of your week. All right, well, man, I have to say we've done a lot of interviews on the podcast over the years, but Jordan Schweitzer was one of the better guests we've had, and I'm really appreciative uh, of his time, and I'm glad that Jordan came on the program, Dave. I, I could not agree more. I mean, the the man, uh, gosh, you know, the one thing we, we hope is that they're going to be talkative, and I mean this in the best possible way. He gave us the info, and that's what we want. Yeah, and hopefully he'll get the podcast bump. It took Giles Barnes a little bit of time to get the podcast bump, but he finally got his this weekend, uh, or la- last week on uh, on Wednesday, and hopefully uh, Jordan won't have to wait uh, a couple of weeks to get his uh, podcast bump. Um, That's right. So, Dave, we're going to do the mailbag. We finally get some uh, questions at our Ask TMLPC hashtag on Twitter. You can, uh, of course, tweet us. We're at the mainland uh, on Twitter, and uh, use the uh, Ask T. MLPC, which stands for the Mainland Podcast. Uh, Wait, are you saying that we have to answer people's questions? Yeah, we're going to answer their questions now, Dave. So I hope that you have uh, studied Uh, because you are going to be tested. Damn it. All right, let's go. All right. So uh, the first question, I'm not sure. This one didn't have the hashtag, so I'm not sure if this was uh, intentionally to be on the podcast. But uh, Chase Hoffnam on uh, Twitter asked uh, about Rafael Ramos's red card. Uh, they're going to lower it to a yellow. This man deserves to play. Uh, my response to you, uh, Chase, is that uh, the uh, disciplinary uh, committee uh, will rule on it this week, and we probably will know, I'm guessing Thursday, uh, whether or not he will have that uh, rescinded. And uh, if so, he will be able to play. If not, he will have to sit out one MLS game, which when you have a Scott Sutter is maybe not that big a deal. Dave, what do you and think? Of course, is this uh, getting well, overturned or not? Uh, well, my answer is, uh, of course, now, as we're recording this, it's Tuesday night, so um, we don't know what's going to happen Thursday. But my inclination is, given the film and everything else, that it will be overturned. Uh, Michael gets to be the voice of reason. I'm going to be the voice of, uh, yeah, hell yeah, it gets overturned. <laughs> and that's that's bullshit because it should have been overturned. Hell, it should have been called in the first place. So I say yes, it gets overturned. He gets to play. And 
However, if your follow-up question is no Torino, that's six. Yeah, he's uh, he's not even getting appealed, so that's not happening. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I said earlier, 50-50 chance is what I think uh, is what we're going to see. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out, I guess. Um, and we'll be happy to report back on that next week. But the cool, because the cool thing is they're not playing between now and the uh, U.S. Open Cup on Wednesday the 14th. So uh, we will know uh, before or by the time we have our next uh, podcast without having played another game. Um, so uh, thanks for thanks for the question. Uh, we have a question from Kyle Excited on uh, on Twitter. He wants to know why does Uncle hate Orlando? Did he get <laughs> fired from Disney? Does he have an ex-wife here, or is he just not good <laughs> at his job? Uh, Dave, why don't we start with the first? Start with the first question, Dave. Uh, why does uh, Ted? <laughs> why does Ted Uncle hate Orlando? <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait, wait. Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, why does Why does Ted Uncle hate Orlando? Because he's just that kind of guy. All right. My my answer to that is that um, never uh, prescribe to. Uh, hatred what can more easily be explained with ineptitude and i don't ah, think i don't think that he hates answer. i don't think he hates orlando i just think he's inept and uh, so that will answer your last question is he just not good at his job no he's he's not good at his job and uh so uh there's like a reason citro there's citro there's, ladies and gentlemen for yeah. win yeah, there's a reason why people call him Drunk Uncle on uh, Twitter, and that's – he's not good. Did he get fired from Disney, Dave? Do you think he uh, – Ted Uncle ever worked for Disney? Is that a question from that, Twitter? That is, yes, that's a, that's a question from, from um, Kyle Excited. He wants to know. I'm going to say yes, he did. Okay. I, I believe that uh, the uncles live in Clearwater. I'm going to say that he has been to Disney many times, uh, and maybe at one point in his life he was not – tall enough to ride space mountain and he's always held a grudge i don't know but I don't, I don't believe that he's ever uh ever been fired from disney oh dang it uh, and he does not have an ex-wife here i don't believe he, he in fact his wife is a pro referee and has done uh usl and nwsl games so a lot now, of people wait, didn't know I, I i i do need to interject i did get a uh, tweet also earlier that said um what drugs is he on uh, I will say that he is uh, not on drugs. Again, the simpler explanation is he's inept. He's inept. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, all right, fair enough. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, we do want to answer the uh, tweets That's that we right. get. So, you know. That's right. Uh, yeah. Do, do you so, think he's on something? Do you, would you say that he's on something? I mean, they do call him Drunk Uncle on uh, on Twitter. Well, you know what? I don't want to uh, – uh, it would be irresponsible of me of me to say anything here. I mean, we we try to be a professional, so I yeah. certainly wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Elder Gorilla, which is a fantastic Twitter handle, uh, Elder Gorilla wants to know, um, didn't MLS hire a retired FIFA ref to oversee the pro organization training and overhaul it? Uh, I have looked this up, Dave. I don't know if you have uh, any knowledge in that area, but I have actually looked this up, and I, I, I remembered it from before the season, but I didn't remember the exact details. And so what it is is that Howard Webb, 
mm-hmm. former Premier League referee, was hired by Pro. Okay. He was hired by Pro, but he was hired to manage the video assistant referee program. And, ah. and to, yeah, to spearhead that project. And that we haven't really seen that come to fruition just yet. It's still being tested. I bet the star break that it's going to be implemented. Uh, we've we've seen incidents of VAR being used around the world. Uh, so we know kind of have an idea of, of how it will work. But um, again, this is a situation where I don't know if you've watched college football or the NFL, but video replay doesn't always overturn things that should overturn. And sometimes it overturns things that shouldn't be overturned because, again, you've got the human element involved. So not only do the people have to, uh, you know, implement this technology properly, but they also have to make the correct decisions once they see the replays. And everybody sees things differently. Uh, and the referee in this situation, my understanding is that the referee himself uh, will get um, a buzz from the the VAR and he'll say, you know, you want to look at this play again? I think that's up to the referee's discretion. If he thinks he has a good enough view of it, he probably will, will decline that. But otherwise, he will look at it himself. So it's the same guy who just made the call is going to make the call again after looking at the video. That's my understanding of it. And yeah, that that's not suspect at all. So who I mean, who yeah. wants to say, hey, 25,000 people, I messed up. My bad. I'm changing it. I, I think I think you're you're not likely to change things. Although we have seen things changed, and. We have, but here, here's what I would think would be better. All right, so we have a goal line, right? Yes. We could put a camera on the goal line, yes? Um, yeah, you're talking goal line technology, are you not? Yes, okay. I am. Yeah, I mean, but that's not going to help you with red card decisions and things like that. So that's just what I was getting. I'm talking about this in the... I get the sense that this is uh, Ted Uncle related kind of stuff. Uh, oh, so, okay. so yeah, I, I would say Howard, you, you're, you're absolutely right to remember that Howard Webb has been hired by Pro, but is not he, not in that kind of I'm going to overhaul the entire system kind of kind of way. He's here to spearhead the uh, the VAR. Uh, he's, I mean, he's he's part of his job is overseeing the development, education, assessment, and assignment of VAR. So the video assistant referees for pro, that's what he's doing. So yeah, he's not going to make Ted uncle, Mark Geiger, any better. Uh, Soren Stoika, <laughs> Baltimore, Toledo, they're all still going to be bad. It's just uh, the way it is. Uh, so I hope that doesn't burst your bubble too much, but uh, good memory for sure. If I, uh, you know, remembering that uh, there was a premier league guy uh, coming in. Um, Elder Gorilla also asks, gazing into your crystal ball, Dave, do you, uh-huh. do you see Orlando City being an academy-heavy team or still relying on outside talent three years from now? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay. so All right, three years from now. All right. Um, uh, I, I, my answer is I would love if we were – Academy ready three years from now, but I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, I think it's going to take longer um, just because, you know, uh, MLS as a whole is developing that way. So um, while I would love it if that was the case, if, if we were able, if we had that much talent piping in that we could, we'd be great. But no, I don't, three years from now, I don't see it being that alone. I, I, we're still going to have to have influxes from other 
other uh, sources. So no. Yeah, I, I would say. But 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 I but but I I do see input from Academy. Certainly. I, I, but the question is, is it going to be an Academy heavy team? Uh, no, anyway. no, 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 not heavy. Yeah. So Elder Gorilla, I will say, uh, I think Orlando City will always be a team that relies on outside talent because I think that they're going to, to look for players overseas in South America, Central America, uh, the Caribbean, Asia, everywhere they can look to try to get, you know, the best player, the best team possible. I think they're going to always be a team that does that, but they are, they are going to get more and more uh, academy prospects come through the system. It's a talent-rich state. It's just a matter of time, and uh, you're you're starting to see that with with Pierre De Silva's getting uh, you know an, an MLS contract. You're going to see uh, guys like uh, David Loera and uh, some of the youngsters in the in the system are going to start coming up through, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. So uh, well, and you and you have to look at it this way. It's it's going to be a time thing. So uh, you know when when Somebody talks about that. They're talking about EPL. They're talking about they come through the system. Boom, they're there. It's it's going to take time with MLS. We have the structures in place now where it's going, to, but it just takes time. That's all. Yeah, I would say uh, thank you for the question, Elder Gorilla. The two questions, and uh, we appreciate it. Good questions there. Mark Johnson three eighty six on Twitter wants to ask us if the Ramos red card is overturned, will Ted Uncle face any kind of punishment? Uh, I would say this to you, Mark. Ted Uncle may get a vacation uh, even if the red card is not overturned. I, I think that uh, that was just – it was a high-profile game between two Eastern Conference contenders on national TV on a Sunday night, and he ruined the game. So I think that he might get a week or two to think about his decision. Uh, he may get um, – fourth official duty for a few weeks there may be some ramifications uh, i don't think we'll ever see pro come out and say we're suspending him for uh whatever uh, however many weeks because of this but i mean that's just how the referees organization does it they they don't necessarily do it that way they say you, you just don't see him for a couple weeks and then that's kind of the the under the under the rug way uh the low down low key way of doing it uh to where you're, you're, it's like a non-suspension suspension, so to speak. Well, the uh, we, we won't have any satisfaction when it comes to Ted Uncle, as far as Orlando City fans are concerned, and as far as you know, Marcus is concerned, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, what would be satisfactory is okay. So we lost a player for a game, then he loses the game, and he loses his money for a game. Unfortunately, not going to happen. Uh, should it happen? Well, you know what? That's a question that could be uh, positive. I mean, you know, if uh, a ref is egregiously wrong, should they not be able to ref the next game? I mean, if we're going to have a player that is egregiously wrong, well, then maybe, you know, obviously we have a red card. They don't play the next game. If a ref is egregiously wrong, do they not play the or, or ref the next game? So, I yeah, Kristen Edmonds brought that up. You know, she said that if a, if a player does something wrong, they end up having to sit. So it should also happen in other other professions in the in, within the sport. So yeah, I think that there could be ramifications, but we'll never be told specifically that 
you know, he screwed up. No, of course so. not. So thank you for your question, Mark Johnson. Uh, just to differentiate, you know, you from all the other Mark Johnsons, I will say uh, Mark Johnson 386. Thank you for your question, because uh, I don't want anybody else thinking that I was talking to them just because their name is Mark Johnson. By the way, Mark Johnson was my favorite member of the 1980 Olympic U.S. hockey team. So uh, I'm old. I've seen uh, I've seen them play. Uh, anyway, thank you folks for, uh, sending in your, your questions. Really appreciated that. Uh, you can, uh, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag ask TMLPC, or you can write to us. Uh, we are, uh, reachable via the old email system at the mainland at gmail.com. Please spell main M A N E the mainland at gmail.com so send us your letters your your cards your well wishes whatever you want to send us uh your comments your questions and uh you know you could uh, too you too could be read on our podcast dave we're just about wrapping this puppy up and uh it's it's getting a little bit long because uh, we've we've had a lot to discuss but we've got a l- still a few things left to discuss. so let's briefly touch on a few things uh first of all uh, the United States men's national team and Venezuela played to a 1-1 draw in a friendly. Uh, did you get to see the game, and, and what were your overall thoughts? Um, I actually did not, but I went back and looked at the highlights, and, well, let's say a couple things. One, it was tune-up. Yep. Purpo- not that, it was a purposeful tune-up. It was played at altitude. Uh, Bruce was trying to do this and that at altitude to make sure that the guys were ready. Two, Puslik. Pulisic. Pulisic. Yeah. Christian Pulisic. He is as good as I've always thought he is. Yep, he's very, very good. Very talented player. Uh, Good young player. Scored the goal after uh, the U.S. went down uh, 1-0. Uh, was a nice goal, and uh, you know I thought he was one of the better players out there. The U.S. Soccer Federation did a very smart thing with having the the Salt Lake friendly prior to a World Cup qualifier in Denver against Trinidad and Tobago, and then the trip to Mexico to the Azteca. So it's uh, you know all at altitude. Big qualifiers coming up. Uh, very smart uh, decision to play at altitude. And in game conditions, and now they'll go and uh, be ready for the the game in Denver against Trinidad and Tobago, which I don't know how much altitude training uh, Trinidad and Tobago are able to do. And uh, probably they, not a lot. No. So big game. Yeah, yeah. Hex. They got to beat TNT because that's a home game. And if they can just get a draw at Mexico, that'd be a pretty good result. All right. So uh, a couple things. Um, obviously, playing at altitude. That's Bruce Arena's goal. Two. Puslik is the best player we've had in years as far as pure talent. I mean, he's 18, and quite frankly, he's going to be the U.S. player for years to come. And then three, um, well, the rest of them, they just got to show up. I mean, you know, Tim Howard, I mean, he, he was there, and he did okay, but... We all would like Bendik to play a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's another piece of news we hadn't gotten to, that uh, Joe Bendik was on the preliminary Gold Cup uh, squad, as was Jonathan Spector. 40-man squad named as a preliminary roster for the Gold Cup. The 23-man final roster will come from that 40 men. Uh, will 
Bruce Arena keep his regular keepers? Will he not? There are six keepers on there, and so three have to go for the Gold Cup roster. And uh, it, if he decides not to play Guzan and uh, Tim Howard in the Gold Cup and go with some other options, uh, there is then Bendit getting a what one <laughs> one in four uh, chance of being left out. So uh, he could still very well get into the side and um, uh, and make that team. Although that's not a guarantee he'll get games. Uh, Jonathan Spector a little probably a little bit more uphill battle with 12 defenders. Uh, in the preliminary roster, but he has earned a look and it's good to see. Uh, in fact, Joe said, you know, talked about how honored he was to, uh, to get the call up or to get the, the, uh, to be on the preliminary roster. And he's going to just continue to keep working hard to try to make, uh, the final 23. So, uh, congrats to those two. And, uh, I should mention also Kyle Laren and Will Johnson named to Canada's, uh, preliminary gold cup 40 man roster. So good job by all of them. Uh, Coming up uh, Friday, we've got Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, then the following week, uh, just about four days later, at Mexico. Uh, it's Tuesday night, uh, actually, that they'll be in Mexico uh, to play El Tree. Uh, speaking of U.S. men's national teams, Tommy Redding will be coming home because the U.S. Uh, U-20s lost to Venezuela uh, uh, in extra time, 2-1. It was nil-nil after regulation and it, it wasn't close dave it was i stayed up really late for this game it started at 2 a.m eastern time and uh, it went until uh, like i said it went extra an extra 30 minutes so uh it, it was basically a shooting gallery venezuela hit the woodwork a few times uh, jonathan klinsman played out of his mind to keep them out off the scoreboard uh it was one-way traffic the entire game and yet it was nil nil and and in the final moments of the game, the U.S. gets a golden opportunity, a free header for Eric Palmer Brown, and he just missed the net. If he puts that on frame, it's a smash and grab win for the U.S., uh, but uh, it was not meant to be. And then just about five minutes into the extra time, uh, Venezuela gets a goal. They end up getting another one early in the second half of uh, the of the extra period and uh, it's 2-0 and you know it's pretty much over uh but the u.s did pull one back and it, the great thing about that is they became the first team to score on venezuela in the tournament so uh i think they can hold their heads up high they reached the quarterfinals and uh, they were able to be the only team to score on venezuela so far so uh, a pretty decent tournament for the u20s although it ends in disappointment well, you know, it was a 2-1 loss in extra time, and, you know, they gave her everything. They le left it on the field. You know, uh, what more can you ask for? I mean, like you said, they they uh, they were down and yet still found a way to keep pushing. So uh, there's only so much, so much that you can expect. And so we can take solace in that and – Move forward afterwards. Yeah, well, we'll move forward to the U.S. women's national team's got friendlies coming up. Uh, Dave, there's no pride players in the upcoming uh, European trip due to Alex Morgan's injury, uh, Ashlyn Harris's injury, and Allie Krieger was not named to the initial roster, so uh, she got snubbed. So uh, a rest for Allie. And, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about uh, Alex or Ashlyn coming back injured because they already are hurt. Uh, but we will cheer the U.S. women on against Norway and Sweden. Uh, OCB, we've mentioned, they're at Rochester. Uh, they're, uh, sorry, playing Rochester at home tonight. 
uh, if you're listening to this live, if you uh, didn't get to this on the day it dropped, and it's probably already in the past, and uh, we are hoping that uh, they can beat the Rochester Rhinos and uh, continue uh, to have a, a good start to the season. Now, um, that's that, that's a quick turnaround for OCB in that it's not once every two weeks. Yeah, and Saturday night uh, in Pittsburgh. So it's it's a short week. Uh, you know, it's... You know, a midweek game after a, a Saturday night game on the road, so it's it's going to be a big challenge. Rochester playing uh, some pretty good soccer this season. They they haven't played as many games as most of the teams in the Eastern Conference, but they're still uh, in the middle part of that playoff group. So uh, it'll be a big test. Rochester, you may remember, just a couple of years ago, won the USL Championship over. Uh, shoot, I forget who they beat. They beat Louisville in the uh, in, on, in penalties in the Eastern Conference Championship. I forget who they beat, but they won the championship uh, just the year before last. So uh, it's going to be a tough one for Anthony Pulis's group, but uh, hopefully they'll come through with flying colors and, and maybe some uh, maybe some MLS guys will get some minutes since uh, you know we're, we're in the international break. Um, I think we've touched on just about everything we can, Dave. I think we've. We should just put a bow on this and, and call it a finished and completed episode 89 of the Mainland Podcast. What say you? I say I agree. Nothing else we need to address here? Not at the moment. All right. So uh, I think it's time to just tell everybody to go vote for the uh, the Bendik and um, Spectre double save as save of the week, which oddly enough was not on the initial group of, uh, of nominees. Uh, but I think uh, MLS came to their senses and said, uh, well, yeah, but this is great. We could have put this in here. And uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, as we were uh, recording this, it was at 91% of the vote already, even though it went up uh, very late. And I don't know if they just wiped the slate clean uh, when they added them or if they've just made up that much ground. Uh, but uh, it was good to see. Two Lions on the team of the week, Spectre and Bendik. Uh, I think you can make a pretty good case for Will Johnson, although he's not on there. And uh, also, uh, Zach Ellis Hayden made the USL team of the week this week after scoring a goal, his first professional goal at Pittsburgh as the game winner. So that's going to do it for episode 89 of the Mainland Podcast. Please get your questions in to us at Twitter, uh, at the Mainland, hashtag AskTMLPC, or you can also write to us at themainland at gmail.com. Uh, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, read our stuff at themainland.com, and uh, please give us an, uh, you know, your honest rating uh, on, on iTunes and uh, maybe leave us a review. That'd be great. So on behalf of David Rowe, I am Michael Citro signing off for episode 89 of the Mainland Podcast the way I always do by saying, Go City! <laughs>